This is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard DJ's Aviation Podcast. This is your home for everything aviation. From the latest news on aircraft, airlines, and airports, to documenting travel journeys unlike any other across the globe. Be sure to check out our second YouTube channel, Globetrotting at DJ's Aviation, where you'll find analytically driven coverage of the industry, which aims to answer your most burning questions. But for now, we're next in line for takeoff. So I'll pass you over to our host for today's proceedings, Dan. Happy belated new year and welcome back to the DJ's Aviation Podcast, the first, I guess you could say, regular episode of the calendar year. The previous two were both interviews that I wanted to release. If you haven't already had the chance to listen to them, the first one is with Lidor Reva, the CEO and co-founder of Imperium Jets. The title of that piece is A New Solution for Private Aviation, offering up a very insightful, I think, discussion regarding what they're doing over there at Imperium. And then the secondary piece is with the Chief of Aviation at Melbourne Airport, where we discuss the COVID-19 pandemic, the recovery, infrastructure developments, and much more at the airport. But now we're back to regular programming. And, And when I say regular programming, this is something a little bit different. I'm putting a pause again in the travel series that is ongoing as I want to trial something on the uh, platform, I guess you could say, and get a bit of a a feedback from you whether or not you do enjoy this kind of thing. And that is really discussing some of the most talked about aviation topics. It's not a lie that many other platforms do something very, very similar. However, I thought that why don't I try and do something like that here for you today? And we have three of the, I guess you could say, most talked about stories, and at least the stories that interest me the most, and I will dive into each one, providing some analysis, commentary, and much more before we move on to the next topic and then round out the episode. Topics today do include the last Boeing 747 livery, Alaska's A320 retirement, and Bonds are weaning its air operating certificate out of Australia, so now it can begin commercial services. Before I begin, I have to always say you can listen to this on any platform, and do make sure to review the podcast. It's free, and it really helps the podcast grow. We've had many more over on Spotify give us a, well, or give myself a five-star review, which I I do very much uh, appreciate it. And of course, we have some new reviews that are written over on Apple Podcasts, both being five-star reviews. The first one from uh, Al M. I guess you could say, or LM, saying, love listening to your podcast during my commute as you bring your journeys uh, in the sky to us. Keep it up, a Cathay Pacific 747 pilot. And that's a five-star rating from Hong Kong. Thank you very much for your kind support. And then we had a uh, review from Happy Smiley Face, although I believe I may have already covered this review. If I have... um, Again, another thank you, but if I haven't, I really appreciate the five-star review. So, on to our most talked about stories, or the ones that interest me the most for the week, and beginning off from the last 747, which was a little bit of an exclusive from myself, revealing that the aircraft would be uh, coming out of the paint factory in Portland. However... Unfortunately, the way it rolled out probably wasn't to the liking of many people. Most had hoped that potentially we may have got a very special uh, retro scheme or at least a livery that incorporates uh, heritage features of the Boeing 747 and especially that of RA001 being the first 747, but that wasn't to be the case. Unfortunately, the aircraft that is destined for Atlas Air did roll out in, well, 
stock standard Atlas Air titles and on one side of the aircraft, we were also greeted with Apex Logistics. Uh, this is part of a deal that Atlas Air has signed, and it's a quite extensive deal for two Boeing 7478Fs to Kiana Nagel. Hopefully I've pronounced that correctly, but I'm probably butchering it in some way. Um, through this, it does mean that the company just mentioned does acquire two 7478s on behalf of Atlas Air, and basically they charter out uh, the freighter sector and i guess you could say the freight aircraft completely and also exclusively so with that being said decals are applied and in this case it is the apex logistics um, upon some further research can confirm that apex logistics was actually acquired by kiana nagel back in not that long ago in fact so that is why the apex logistics decal appears on the final 747 whereas on the penultimate 747 there was the kiana nagel um very very underwhelming and i think one of the biggest things you can take away from this is it being a missed opportunity uh, i have a video going out on globe trotting i believe it's already out or it may be going out in the coming days detailing why the 747 looks like this there are many different reasons one of the biggest being that contract that atlas air has however also at the end of the day it is atlas air's decision on how the aircraft comes out of the paint factory it's not down to boeing i've seen quite a few people uh, probably target boeing wrongly um they don't have the final say leham news and analysis does report that a joe sutter sticker or decal will be added at a later date now the aircraft is back in seattle that is likely where it will be applied in preparation for delivery which will be coming in the next few weeks and will be covered here don't you worry absolutely extensively but even still, I think a decal doesn't necessarily save, unfortunately, what rolled out of the factory. It is massively disappointing, um, but it is, I guess you could say, a sign of the times. And every customer is different. Had this aircraft been maybe a passenger plane or headed to a different company, then maybe we would have seen something roll out differently. Unfortunately, though, it is a pretty bland livery at its very core with the titles not even matching, but being very much present the aircraft is registered as n863 gt and uh first rolled out of actually the assembly hall back in december 2022 before it did complete uh, a few test flights and then headed down to portland a very short hop on the 21st of december where since then it was in painting for i would like to say around 17 days during the christmas and new year period and it is the last 747 to roll out and be produced by the American aircraft manufacturer if you are technically not including the highly modified 747s that will eventually go to the U.S. Air Force. The pictures, thanks to Keith Miller, really showed and highlighted just how unmemorable the livery is. And as an aviation enthusiast myself, I can only say that is it is equally disappointing to have to see a plane not come out in potentially something more fitting as a tribute. Uh, I'm very creative, so rolling in my head already have been countless ideas that I personally had for the livery, whether that be adding a red cheat line and still having the Atlas Air and Apex Logistics logo, but making them red and grey. And then instead of having the blue and yellow Atlas Air tail, you could transform that into red and grey and really giving the plane that heritage look of RA001 to show this is the first 747 and this is the last one. 
but that didn't come to fruition and the plane just relatively looks like any other 747 and is named Empower. Not that I think there's really any deeper meaning there. Again, just a missed opportunity and I know if I was in the shoes of Atlas Air, which is easier said than done, um, I would have gone for something totally different and I think that can definitely be agreed with, with anyone listening. But there are always circumstances as to why these decisions do take place and in this case, uh, contractual obligations, decisions from higher up executives and much more all play a fundamental role in that. But again, we should still be getting hopefully a Joe Sutter decal that is per Lee Ham News and Analysis once again. Uh, whether that comes to fruition, we'll have to wait and see, but I think at the very least that would definitely uh, bring a little bit more, uh, maybe I guess you could say reflection on the plane and give it a, a bit more of a symbolic feel. That being said though, you're not going to change the livery at its very core, which is massively underwhelming and disappointing. That being said, I do actually normally like the Atlas Air livery, but for the final one ever to be produced, it is very underwhelming. Only uh, at the time of recording, about 10 hours ago, Bonza, which is Australia's newest airline, did indeed receive its air operating certificate and uh, basically just the underlying approval to complete commercial operations um, from the Civil Aviation Safety Authority of Australia, which has been a very, very long time coming, it must be said. If you've been keeping up to date with developments um, at Bonza, you will probably know that they've been seeking this approval since the mid to late point of last year. They had flagged many different dates of when they had hoped to start operations before eventually I think the consensus was it would come in 2023 and since they made that judgment call they never gave a specific date. As with anything getting a new airline approved has many different factors that need to be undertaken. Uh, Understanding the airline's fit to fly the aircraft, the uh, employees, whether or not they can sustain themselves, their operations are going to be safe. Look, there are so many factors that are assessed and for Bonza, they've had to meet those and submit their own uh, documentation and so forth. But finally, that's here and they're looking for a pretty rapid start to their operations, flagging before the end of the month, which depending on when you're listening is January 2022. On top of that, they're hoping to uh, put tickets on sale momentarily, so there is a very real possibility that the flights could already be on sale at the time of at the time of publication for this podcast. Initially, uh, their base will be out of the Sunshine Coast, pardon me. However, uh, Melbourne will also eventually serve as a secondary base, which is something as a Melbournian myself, I'm very, very much excited to see come to fruition. Um, And look, any new airline is great. And I think the purpose of Bonza really hits home for many, for those that may be unaware. Uh, I should just go out on a a limb and say that I actually sat down exclusively to talk with Tim Jordan uh, towards the midway point also of last year. Tim Jordan being their chief executive officer and founder. And we discussed the airline even down to branding. And one of the biggest things that Uh, really struck me was the reasoning behind Bonza, and that is regional travel within Australia is very expensive. It's also hard to come by with a lot of communities really cornered off, and because of the firm grip that airlines such as Qantas and Virgin Australia have on the market, you'll note I didn't include Jetstar because they are a subsidiary of the Qantas group, so they're just basically the low-cost unit. Even then, they are still expensive. 
um, they have such a big grip on the market that there's not a whole lot of room for, I guess you could say, leverage on that. We have seen Rex come into the scene with those 737s, and actually they've reached profits and have been doing quite well. Um, a lot of people that have flown Rex have only spoke good things of their service. So I think it does take some effort. And look, Rex have been around for a very, very long time and only recently dived into those uh, 737 operations from Melbourne to Sydney, Melbourne to the Gold Coast, and a host of other destinations previously flying well they still do fly but solely i guess you could say flying the turboprops so for bonza it's, it's going to be a challenge but again what i like about their business model is they're flying into locations where airfares are typically very expensive and um are offering up services that either don't exist currently or do exist and are far out of reach he also mentioned to me that uh, these regional communities they don't have as much money in terms of, uh, let's say, their earnings as someone living in Melbourne or Sydney do. So when you have incredibly high-priced airfares, it means that they're just simply not attainable. That is a very real problem in many different uh, locations globally. Uh, that's felt here in Canada. If you need to fly to regional communities, it's it's going to cost you an arm and a leg to do so. Uh, being in a very, 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 very small town... Um, that barely even has an airport. I think it's very clear to be able to see that as in if you need to get out of these communities. Now, Bonza is not targeting, say, communities with a population of 5,000, but the cities and regional communities that they are targeting could do with a three times weekly service connecting them to, say, the Sunshine Coast or potentially Melbourne. Uh, the CEO also mentioned, and also this was reiterated by executives at Melbourne Airport, that the benefit a hub in Melbourne has is that they can come and go for specific events, transporting, say, people down from Mildura to Melbourne, potentially the Sunshine Coast to Melbourne, bringing people up for leisure holidays and events across the east coast of Australia. Notable absentees from their route network is really Sydney. If you have a look at their route map, which features on the website, but also on um, my website, if you wanted to go and read the Tim Jordan interview, you'd be able to see that it does cover most of the East Coast. The West Coast is, is not present. And upon asking Tim Jordan whether or not they may be interested in flying to the southeast part of Asia, he did confirm that he really just wants to stick true with the the Bonza way of things and that is being Australian and being there for Australians as well. So great to see. Um, like I said, any new airline launching up is always exciting and met with a lot of intrigue on my end. But given this being a carrier that is actually based in Australia, it's been a long time coming. It's uh, no, no lie that we did lose Tiger Air Australia during the pandemic, uh, Virgin Australia absorbing the brand, I guess you could say, but also going into administration themselves. So there has been a bit of a gap in the market that Bonza could come in and take. But again, they're not trying to be Tiger Air, but the ability to slot into spots that, say, Tiger Air had, especially being felt uh, in Terminal 4 at Melbourne Airport, is obviously a, a great benefit for them. Bonza will be operating the 737 MAX, and this is an aircraft we will get to know very well, as Virgin Australia will be welcoming their first MAX in this year as well. Uh, at the moment, we're definitely a 
industry or sector that is filled with older aircraft. That is starting to change with the arrival of the A321neos and the LRs on the Jetstar network. However, when it really comes to domestic operations, it is filled with your older 737s, your older A320s, and even some of the A330s. But look, that's going to eventually change. Like I said, Qantas Group placed a massive order for Airbus aircraft that consisted of the likes of those A321neos, consisted of Airbus A220s, and so much more. So seeing those roll out in the next couple of years will offer up not only new opportunities in terms of travelling on newer aircraft, but will open up many more possibilities in terms of connections up to Asia from cities such as Adelaide, Brisbane and more that maybe get the short end of the stick at the moment and have to see those communities fly into major hubs such as Melbourne and Sydney to eventually fly up to areas in Asia. I'll definitely be closely following the developments at Bonza as they continue to grow. Tim Jordan has already said that he targets a pretty rapid growth, but at the same time, their growth will be measured by the performance and also demand. They want to ensure that they have the available resources, whether that be employees, fleet, availability at airports, before they do anything, taking a more measured approach. It's been a long time coming. As Tim Jordan said himself, the idea of Bonza has been well over a decade in the making. However, However, their firm plans to launch the airline only came in recent years and, of course, was aided thanks to their partner, being 777 Partners, being able to source Boeing 737 MAX aircraft that were in storage rather than the airline having to go down the route of, say, ordering directly from Boeing or engaging in a lease agreement with the pair and then therefore waiting years upon years for the aircraft to arrive. It has meant that their initial 737 MAXs that have come from the States or other locations have done so in a very timely manner and that will continue to be added to their route network as they not only acquire more maxes but the maxes that were a part of the initial deal make their way down under moving from the 737 max to really the last story for today's podcast that being alaska airlines who in recent days retired their final airbus a320 in what is really becoming a changing of the guard at the airline and there is a lot that i want to discuss regarding this especially the circumstances around how they acquired certain airbus aircraft so N849VA is the registration. If you have a look at that on Flight Radar or any flight tracking app, you'll be able to see it departed for Victorville on the 10th of January from Los Angeles, where it will now be stored. Alaska Airlines had already outlined their intent to retire the Airbus A320, but what can definitely be agreed upon is the manner and I guess you could say rate in which it was removed from service was relatively quick. And when we take a look at other aircraft types that they're planning on removing, the notable one being the Dash 8 Q400 from their regional network with Horizon. Well, they also probably won't be around much longer. Per Sirium data, they have 12 Dash 8s remaining, 20 are already in storage, that comprised of the total of 32. And I would expect that those 12 Dash 8s will be removed very, very quickly and probably before we know it, they won't be flying the type anymore. It's part of Alaska Airlines really moving towards an all Boeing fleet. They do have 10 Airbus A321neos that will always stand out like a sore thumb and many people will always question why on earth these A320neos are a part of the Alaska operation considering they've removed the A319s and the 320s in recent years and the neos are the new engine option. 
therefore being a newer aircraft. Well, how they acquired the plane probably would have been far from ideal. They received those 321 Neos actually from Virgin America back in 2016, and this was following a merger. As a result, the Virgin America brand disappeared, and Alaska Airlines took on the role of its fleet and network, and this in turn left them with the Airbus aircraft. But now, mostly all of those have been phased out. It's part of Alaska Airlines' bigger goal to really have the 737 MAX series as the core fundamental plane looking ahead. They signed a mammoth deal last year, and now that means 111 737 MAXs are on order for delivery, once again per Serium data. If you're interested in the spread across the different variants, or the makeup, that's 52 MAX 9s, 48 MAX 10s, and then the 10 remaining MAX 8s. But, of course, the 737 MAX 10 is yet to be certified, and and that aircraft type, I guess you could say, is in a bit of a grey area for now. Boeing hopes to certify the plane. When that is officially done remains to be seen. But what can be confirmed is the 737 MAX will continue to be a backbone of its narrowbody operations for decades, and following that commitment from the carrier. The... Alaska Airlines, though, are by no stretch of the imagination the only airline that has made major, and I mean major, changes to their fleets in various years. In fact, I think we've seen enough retirements in the past couple of years to last a decade, potentially two. Now, some of this was brought on by the pandemic, and in other situations, it was airlines realizing that they did need to pivot to next-generation aircraft in order to become more efficient, more streamlined, and reel in the profits. But of course, naturally, the contributing factor being the pandemic for most carriers, whether that be within the United States or potentially down in Australia, maybe in Asia or Europe. We've seen many aircraft types retire and they can be small, like in this case, the A320 with Alaska Airlines, even smaller, the Q400, or even as large as, say, the Boeing 747 with KLM, British Airways, Qantas, and many others rapidly retiring the plane over the past couple of years. And it's been tragic to see as an aviation enthusiast, and I'm sure many can agree, seeing these iconic planes and also planes that were really just a staple in the skies slowly but surely disappearing. It's not what we want to see, but it is the takeaway that has to happen. And while we're witnessing this now, It's not the first time that something similar takes place. Aircraft come and go, but the main ambition is for the airline to stick around for as long as possible. And if these decisions, which no doubt they are, are to prolong the life of the company, see them make more money, then it's hard to really argue with it. But of course, on an aviation level, and as someone that loves it, it's no doubt disappointing and saddening to see a plane that maybe you've spotted frequently every weekend for more than a decade depart and head to storage where no doubt it will eventually be scrapped or potentially depending on its age depending on what alaska wants to do with them it could have another buyer somewhere else and go on to a secondary third fourth or fifth market that's going to conclude today's episode of the podcast again it was something a little bit different with the core focus being on discussing some of the most talked about aviation stories and that being again to recap the last 747 livery rolling out in rather underwhelming circumstances alaska retiring their airbus a320s and the story in the middle was bonza winning their air operating certificate in australia and finally being cleared to operate scheduled commercial passenger flights beginning hopefully by the end of the month
If you have any thoughts on those stories, you can reach me at DJ's Aviation on Twitter or at contactdjsaviation at gmail.com if you'd like a more personal experience or you'd like to put forward suggestions for the next episode of the podcast. Do make sure to leave a review, whether that be on Spotify or a written one, and follow the show. That way you'll be notified anytime a new podcast goes live. Until then, though, stay tuned, because I do believe every weekend from now, I am hoping to have some form of content released on the podcast feed, and I can confirm that I will get back to that travel series, where I believe last time I left you, I had arrived in Newark for a short layover, overnight layover as well, in a hotel during the Thanksgiving weekend. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Appreciate all the support. I hope 2023 has been going well for you thus far, and I will see you next time. You'll find analytically driven coverage of the industry, which aims to answer your most burning questions. But for now, we're next in line for takeoff. So I'll pass you over to our host for today's proceedings, Dan. Dan.